Lucy Wiedemeyer was a young wife, a young mom with two small children. She had married her high school sweetheart, the star of the football team. Things were going perfect for Lucy. Until one day, her husband came home from the doctor. When he got home and uh, came in the door, I mean, it was very obvious to me something was really wrong. And uh, when he said that... uh, the doctor told him he had this terminal disease. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't even respond. We just stood there, kind of clinging to each other. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. How does a marriage survive and stand strong in the midst of storms? Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Thursday edition. When we began this week, you told our listeners that the story they were going to hear was one of the top five all-time Family Life Today stories. And I, I think you're right. I think what we've heard already this week Uh, has been powerful and profound. But we thought we ought to revisit another one of those top five moments before the week is over. And uh, so our listeners are going to get to hear another remarkable couple on today's program. A great story of uh, unsurpassing love between a football star and uh, his adoring wife, Mm -hmm. Charlie and Lucy Wiedemeyer, uh, tell a story that I think our listeners will never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie was a standout high school uh, football star in Hawaii. He uh, ended up getting a scholarship to uh, Michigan State University where he had never seen a snowflake before <laughs> being from from Hawaii. And uh, there he met Lucy. They were married. And uh, not long after that, uh, he had uh, become head coach of uh, – Los Gatos High School right. in uh, Northern California in the Bay Area. And it was during that time uh, he was diagnosed with uh, a uh, a terminal illness. At least he was told by his doctor that he had months to live. And when we sat down and talked to them, it had been years since he had received that diagnosis. And uh, Charlie was in a wheelchair. The only parts of his body that he could move were his lips and his eyes, and that's how he communicated with his wife, Lucy. In fact, our listeners may be able to hear the ventilator that he's on. Um, They won't hear Charlie's voice, but Lucy will be able to share some of his thoughts and some of his words as she reads his lips and as she walks us through this incredible story. Charlie was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. The doctors told him at the time of the diagnosis he had maybe a year to live. And Charlie's adding here, the doctors didn't realize that Dr. Jesus had other plans for me. Well, I want to take you all back to uh, how you met because uh, you met in Hawaii, isn't that correct? Where you grew up? Charlie and I met in high school at Punahou Academy 
on the beautiful island of Oahu under just a gorgeous blue sky and, and waving palm trees. I mean, just the most romantic place. He had just finished football practice, and I was uh, standing in, uh, in line at the bookstore. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. I was standing in line when I saw this gorgeous blonde. Ooh, I like this. Walking up the steps, and I immediately fell in love. Is that why you ran over to get in line? I see. <laughs> well, you at that time were uh, a cheerleader, and he was a star football player, uh, the player of the decade yes, in he high was. school. Yes, he was. In the 60s, yes. Yes. Well, he was such a good football player that uh, he received a scholarship to play at Michigan State University, and I understand a part of uh, the contingency of accepting that scholarship was that you <laughs> went with him. Tell us that story. Well, we were apart for a year. First year we were apart, and the telephone bills got a little expensive from Hawaii to Michigan State. So I came at Charlie's second year, and Charlie's saying, "I remember after the first three weeks, I ran out of all my money, and I was so homesick, I almost." Went back to Hawaii. <laughs> and Duffy, the coach, told me to have that I could use his phone anytime. <laughs> and I think he. Oh, and I think he regretted that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it cost him a lot, huh? Yeah, of course, he'd be on NCAA probation today. <laughs> That's exactly right. Can we cut this part, please? <laughs> well, if, if you two listen to our broadcast uh, a lot, you know that occasionally we have something that we throw at guests. It's called the curve. Yes. And I think, Bob, don't you think we I ought think to? this couple is uh, deserving of the curve. Charlie absolutely. has got a great sense of humor, and I think he's ready for this. Is there anything that uh, occurred on your honeymoon? that was particularly humorous, embarrassing, or out of the ordinary that you can share with our listening audience? Oh, and I always love this part, <laughs> but not anymore. <laughs> actually, we don't. Did you travel somewhere? No, actually, actually, we got married at Michigan State and had a big bash afterwards there. But Charlie was playing football, so we, we didn't go anywhere there. We waited until till the next summer when we went home and had a honeymoon over on Maui. Did you get married during the season? Mm -hmm. So as soon as you were married, he had to travel to some away game, huh? Well, you know, it's interesting, and I didn't think of it until now, but when Charlie, the day Charlie was diagnosed and we talked about it, he left that night for a coaching clinic. Hmm. I mean, so football has always played a... A very important part of our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, it was in 1977, after you had been married for 11 years, you'd had a, a daughter and a son, that uh, you were at the chalkboard, and uh, you were having difficulty holding on to a piece of chalk. And at first it didn't seem uh, that it was out of the ordinary that you were having to squeeze the chalk extra hard, but in the weeks that followed, instead of two or three fingers, you found yourself really gripping the chalk and... Uh, some bad news came your way. Lucy, can you bring us into those first uh, conversations around that? Charlie was saying at first I thought it was uh, old football injuries since I'd had so many uh, playing. He played not only high school and college, but uh, semi-pro there with the Lansing All-Stars for several years. So it wasn't um, uncommon to think that you know it was maybe arthritis setting in or 
He'd had a multitude of injuries all his career, and uh, it was disconcerting, but Charlie just kind of said, oh, well, it's probably, you know, just those old injuries, and we really didn't concern ourselves with it that much at, at that point in time. And Charlie sang until it became more difficult for me to button my shirts, to shave, and, uh, to, and tie my shoes. And uh, actually what happened was the uh, team doctor noticed some problems and, and started to ask Charlie and said, well, why don't we, you know, go up and have some tests done? And he, he took us up to Stanford University and uh, ran us through some tests. He said they were basically inconclusive, and uh, we really didn't think a lot about it. Um, it's kind of funny. We, I think, preferred to bury our head in the sand at the time and just assume that it was part of his, um, part of the old injuries. Charlie, did you bring Lucy in? Did you let her know you were having trouble with the chalk and, and buttoning your shirt? Oh, yes. In fact, she always had to correct all his math papers for his math students hmm. and do all those things, the, the fine dexterity things. But again, we weren't, I don't think we were extremely alarmed. And our family has always been um, very close. Any of Charlie's football games or um, basketball games when he was coaching basketball or playing softball, we'd all be together. So <laughs> the children were always there, a part of the scene. Well, that Christmas season, uh, the team doctor who was a good friend of yours, paid your way back to the islands for all four of you to go back and see your family. You were suspicious that he knew something that he wasn't sharing with you. Oh, yes, Charlie saying, in fact, you are absolutely right about that. When he made that generous offer, I thought something was distinctly wrong with me and after watching that movie on Lou Gehrig's disease I was convinced that 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 was what it was did you ever ask the doctor why he he didn't tell you earlier yes we did Charlie did um, ask him and really it came down to he didn't know how he did not know how to tell Charlie he was going to die. And it was very, very hard for him. And in fact, I was mad at him for a while because I had told him that when he did come upon a diagnosis, that I wanted to be there, that we wanted to be there together. And the day that I called him about, or he happened to call us, and I mentioned about seeing that movie and a lot of similarities, he said, oh, well, you know, have Charlie stop by and he'd talk to him. Wasn't this February? Yes. So he kept it a secret? Yes, for many months. Many months. Well, what did Charlie do then? Well, he stopped by the doctor's office, and I had told the doctor, said, you know, please, I want to be there. And uh, Charlie's saying, actually, one day when I was planning to go to the coaching clinic, I walked out of the gym, and he happened to be there, and... He told me that he wanted to see me in his office. And at that point, I, I knew that something was wrong. But when he told me 
what it was. I... Really, I really didn't believe him because I felt fine and I looked fine and I didn't see how he could possibly be telling me this. Lucy, when a uh, when a doctor comes to you and says your husband's got a year to live, I'm sure there's a numbness, there's a, a sense of, of denial. Um, it's hard. You, you go through a process of thinking this can't be true. I'm going to wake up. It'll be all over. But at some point, the reality of that diagnosis sets in, and you begin to think, what do we do? Tell us what you guys talked about at that point. Oh, Charlie wanted to say that when he left the doctor's office that day, I was driving home that, and the more I thought about it, the inevitable, I thought that someday I wouldn't be able to see my children grow up and not be with my wife and I started to cry and in fact I actually drove right through a red light Hmm. and I had to pull over Hmm. and I was overcome with emotion it's very hard to go back Charlie's saying that uh, when he got home and uh, came in the door I mean it was very obvious to me something was really wrong and uh, when he said that uh, the doctor told him he had this terminal disease I couldn't say anything I couldn't even respond we just stood there kind of clinging to each other in bewilderment and from that point I remember kind of in a, being in a state of denial um, definitely uh, a state of uncertainty and then he went off to the football clinic <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad but I realized if that helped him keep focused that helped him so he didn't have to dwell on it and I got to sit home and worry about it yeah I'm thinking that left you at yes, home alone didn't yes. it yes and uh, I remember the next morning when I opened the draperies and I looked outside and it was a gorgeous day um, I wanted to know why why were the birds singing? Why were people smiling and happy? It's like, wait a minute. Something's very wrong here. You know, how can life just go on when we've just been hit with a ton of bricks? In that, uh, in that time frame of those, uh, those first few months after the diagnosis, did you wonder, where is God in all of this? Actually, we remember talking... Um, about the fact that the coach of the rival high school was also going through some um, extreme physical problems with his back and um, not really being able to diagnose his his problem. And so we kind of, I remember sitting up one night, and we kind of laughed, and we said, well, God must need some coaches, you know, <laughs> that, that this is obvious. And, you know, I don't think we ever sat there and said, God, why me? Mostly because even at that moment... 
Charlie still looked fine. There was no discerning um, sign of mm-hmm. disease or, you know, the word terminal. It just, it just wasn't there. And I remember at that point saying, Charlie, you know, this is not just your disease. This is our disease. And we're going to fight it together. And the, the only sad thing is, although I don't know it worked out quite well, but a lot of people said to us, well, you're going to tell the children, right? You're going to tell the children. You're going to, you have to tell the children. And I said to them, why? Why? What do you do? Sit down with your six-year-old and say, hey, guess what? Dad's going to die in a year. Um, we couldn't do that because we honestly believed that we could fight it. And... Um, what I had to do in my own mind was believe that we were going to fight it one day at a time. I couldn't think about the fact that one day he'd not be able to use his arms at all or he'd not be able to walk or he'd be confined to a wheelchair. He couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. I, I didn't want to dwell on that, and so I just kind of erased it. And I, I can see now how the Lord helped us deal in those early days. I mean, it was a very slow, methodical process. When Charlie could no longer use his right hand, he'd use his left. Um, he went When he could no longer walk, we had the wheelchair. It was tough, but um, he was never willing to give up, and I think that's what strengthened me and buoyed me in, in trying, to, uh, trying to keep Charlie going. I do remember wondering, though, how do you encourage someone that's just been told they're going to die? What, what do you say? And so we sort of began what we now call handicap humor. <laughs> and we began to say, well, Charlie was very fastidious and still is about every hair on his head. And I said, well, dear, you know, if you had cancer, hey, you'd be bald. And wouldn't that be horrifying? <laughs> and so it, it, it lent, you know, it lent some humor there. And, uh, you know, we began to to bring back the humor because for for a lot of times, a lot of days, they were pretty dark. The uncertainty just can be a real killer. And even even today, whenever Charlie hears the name Dr. Kevorkian, oh, he really would like to have a, have a chat with him. Hmm. Um, because there were times when Charlie felt that it was so hard on him and the family, and we had to rely on so many people to help us. Um, that that he would have, I, Charlie saying, I will always remember when I saw the physical and the emotional strain I was causing my wife and my children that I told you, Charlie said to me, maybe it would be better if I just died. And I can remember sitting next to Charlie when he voiced those words in a in a voice that was barely audible even then. Oh, and Charlie saying, I will never forget your response when you said, we. Well, I'm going to tell you, before I responded to what Charlie said, I had to take a deep breath. And I remember sitting there saying, God, please tell me what to say. Give me the words. And I told Charlie that we'd rather have him like this than not at all. Well, we have uh, heard today part one 
of a conversation that took place now more than a decade ago with Charlie and Lucy Wiedemeyer. And by the way, uh, Charlie is still alive and uh, the miracle continues. But uh, again, this is a profound real-life story, Dennis. And Bob, I remember as uh, we were talking to Charlie and Lucy that I turned to them and, and uh, quoted Second Corinthians chapter four verse sixteen because it's a it's a passage of scripture that really brings perspective to circumstances like uh, like only scripture can and like they were facing. I just want to read this to our listeners because it's a great reminder. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though the outer man is decaying. Yet the inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction. Hmm, boy, for a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at all the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And if I just remember looking at them and, and, and thinking about the love story that we'd heard, that they'd given us a great gift. It, it was a gift of a reminder of what is eternal and of real value, mm-hmm. and that's character. That's our choice in the midst of circumstances when they're standing against us in the most fierce storm we've ever faced. And even though uh, Charlie slowly lost his speech, his muscles weakened, and his outer man was helpless, yet because of his trust in God and Lucy's tenacious love, his inner man, her inner man, gained strength, and they found a source of strength in God and in the person of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's the message for you as a listener today. Whatever you're facing— whatever you're up against, will you place your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus Christ? I don't know where else you're going to turn. I think the Wiedemeyers have demonstrated there really is hope in no one else. Yeah, and I think a lot of couples come to a point where they, they ask themselves, would our marriage stand up against something like this? Uh, is the commitment strong? Is is it uh, is it bedrock to who we are? And uh, I, I think they provide a personal example of what real love looks like in a marriage relationship: uh, commitment, self sacrifice, uh, genuine caring about another person. I know their story has been told in a book called Charlie's Victory. Uh, and we have a limited supply of those books in our Family Life Resource Center. If our listeners are interested, they may want to contact us to uh, see how they can secure a copy of that book. But I also want to encourage our listeners to attend one of our upcoming Weekend to Remember Marriage conferences this fall so that you can strengthen and pour into your marriage relationship because you don't know what the path ahead may bring for you. And it's building today that helps your marriage stand strong uh, against whatever comes. 
You can find out more about the Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference on our website at familylife.com. Or you can contact us by phone at 1-800-FL-TODAY. We've got folks who can answer any questions you have about upcoming conferences or resources available. And they can make arrangements to get you registered or to send the resources you need to you. Again, our toll-free number, 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, tomorrow we'll hear more from Charlie and Lucy Wiedemeyer about how a couple perseveres in the midst of incredible circumstances. I hope you can be with us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.